It is time for the Naked Scientist. We are with Dr. Chris Smith. Dr. Chris, are you back to normal programming in your life? I'm home, yeah. <laughs> I'm home safely and uh, much the richer for it in terms of my lovely experience in Durban and Cape Town. And yeah, I um, had a lovely time. Now, before we even get into everybody's science-related questions, which you can send through on 011-883-0702 and the WhatsApp line 0727021702, what is the outcome after speaking to those three phenomenal scientists? Who did you put your money on? I put my money on energy, but at the same time, I felt like cannabis had something to it. So my final answer, I'll say cannabis. Your instincts are spot on ah! because uh, Marushka was the winner. They all yes! did exceptionally well. And I have to say thank you, actually, Lebo, for really giving them the grilling that you did, gave them a great opportunity. So when they stood up at that dinner in the evening and there's hundreds of people there just staring at them, including the director general, the country's director general yes. for science and innovation, is sitting there looking at them, Dr. Phil. Yes. <laughs> they were brilliant and I was so proud of them. And, and I pointed out to the audience, look, these people have never been near a microphone, a lectern or done anything like that and to stand up without notes and to almost to the second three minutes, which is what they were told to do, tell everybody what they work on, why they're doing it and why they need to go that extra stage and how we can help them. Absolutely brilliant. And so they, they were all super, but Marushka, I think she had a little bit of something that the judges saw in terms of the justification can because I she was able you, to say why it would really yes. help her in terms of getting her project for but they, they were all winners but so she will be coming to join us here in Cambridge probably she's talking about coming in in April next year and that'll be brilliant because then she'll be back in time for the conference next year and she can share her skills with the next generation of, of good communicators I have to be honest there is something that she left me with and I was trying to pinpoint what it was but when somebody speaks with a certain confidence of I know what I'm talking about. She she just she's been living and breathing this thing. That's what what I got from listening to her speak. She's been living and breathing it. That's it's it's part of her calling. The way that she spoke. Um, yes, the the reason I was like maybe it's not her because energy is is a currently urgent crisis. But the way she mm, I was just like that's the one. Well, I think the other thing is that the other two are part of a bigger project. And that's not to disrespect being part of important big projects, because important big projects are usually big and important for a reason. But uh, what she has done, what Marishka's done, is to start her own business, which is going to be doing some of the things she's working on. And so really, she's got both academic and intellectual input and interest in it, but she's also got skin in the game in terms of where she wants to take it. And I think that gave her the additional oomph that I think you're, you're sort of articulating. Yes, yes. All right. I'm very excited and I hope that you keep us in the loop on how everything goes. I think it is very, very important um, that we speak about such projects, but also the young people behind them because we need to all no, rally behind them. Well, the, the High Commissioner in Lusaka 
So, he, in other words, the South African High Commissioner to Zambia was at that dinner, and he came up to me the next day, and he said, you don't know me, but I was sitting in that audience, and he said, I had tears in my eyes when I watched those young people oh. do their thing. So, it touched everybody, and uh, and I think everyone was really pleased with them. But thank you to you for giving them uh, the airtime, but also for, for asking them questions and giving them just a little bit of, of an opportunity to perform, because I think that that is what really gets people to, to get good, because it's an opportunity which every time you do that you practice and get a bit better don't you so thanks for that all right we are going to open up the lines 011 in the whatsapp line 0727021702 all of your science related questions for dr chris smith 702 afternoons with relebo gilema boja it is naked scientist time audible one double eight three oh seven oh two the whatsapp line oh seven two seven oh two one seven oh two with dr chris smith and we're taking all of your science related questions and the very first is going to be solely from deep Kloof. solely how's it hi i'm fine and you good good go ahead Yes, I'd like to find out, uh, can Dr. Smith explain to me why people or some people get people's name incorrect when they phone in, like when they phone through, <laughs> uh, maybe to, to and you, you, you may be calling a presenter that's been hosting the show for months or years, but they still get the name incorrect. Is it because of the way that their brain is wired? Well, I mean, somebody calling you, for instance, uh, and then they say, I kill Yes. Or, uh, I mean, why is that? Why does that happen? <laughs> so you sound like you are dumbfounded. Why and how does this happen? And Dr. Chris, Smith, funny enough, I was at the license department earlier and I was sitting in the queue getting my driver's license. And this lady was so excited. She came up to me. She's like, and I was like, it's actually <laughs> what happens? How do we explain um, forgetting or making mistakes with people's names if we hear them so often? Hello, George. Thanks very much for the question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, I think the reason for this is because when we are put on the spot like that, many people do feel pressurized. They get a bit of performance anxiety. So people automatically feel unsettled because they're in the spotlight and that can make things go off kilter. Also, when people are concentrating very hard on something, sometimes they invoke other aspects of their subconscious. So if you're thinking about, I must get this right, I mustn't say the wrong thing, you get this sort of cognitive interference from other bits of your brain, which then kick in and make things go wrong. And even though you want to say the right thing, you say the wrong thing. And a really good example, this was really beautifully did in Bridget Jones's diary, one of my favourite films. She stands up at the lectern to announce the guest uh, they were going to uh, give a book launch. And she then tries not to say the name uh, wrong for Fitzherbert. And she says the colloquial name, his office nickname for this man, which refers to a part of a lady's anatomy and so on, and the word pervert. And she's got this going around inner speak in her brain going, don't say the wrong thing, say the right thing. But what comes out is a fusion of the two. So I think that probably it's a combination of there's some stress, there's some autopilot, and there's also the fact that sometimes when you're in a situation where 
you are used to talking in a certain way, your brain sometimes fills in the gaps for you because you lose consciousness about something for a minute. For instance, I've, I've known children who will call their teachers mum and dad, for example, <laughs> because they're normally used to asking the questions of their mum or their dad. And so they'll go, oh, dad, yes. and then the teacher goes, no, not today. <laughs> so I think there's an element of that. And you were talking about getting a driving license. Everyone's had the experience of the autopilot phenomenon where if you say to yourself, hang on a minute, how did I get here? Yes. And you've, you've just driven home. And you've negotiated roundabouts and traffic lights and stop streets and everything. And you've no idea when you actually did that stuff because you were concentrating on thinking about something else and it was all happening automatically. So I think there's a, there's a bit of all of this going on and occasionally we just trip up. Yes. And I think, that, I mean, I don't know if that what you've explained also applies to, you know, my grandmother would often forget our names and call us by, and this was not even when she got <laughs> yeah. proper old, but she'd call us by our mother's names. So she would start. Well, my to- grandma used to go through, <laughs> at least she got the gender right, um, but she used to go through basically every male in the family. Just go blip, 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 and eventually arrive at the lot. And I was always bottom of the pecking order because I was the most recent arrival. Yes. So she'd start with the oldest and then work the down and eventually it would oh yes and then chris would come out so i'm assuming it's the same thing (laughs) probably (laughs) okay no i thought it was because it does happen as well where you'll say kana omang which translates to who are you again but you like with this person all the time and i would call my younger brother my older brother's name or the other way around thank thank you uh solely i mean george from deep clue for the question (laughs) let's go to rick from walkerville hi rick hi I uh, just want to ask uh, Dr. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's Dr. Chad. <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, listen, Doc, something that's quite intriguing, and I don't think people think about this often. When you look in a mirror, it reverses image left, right, horizontally. Why doesn't a mirror reverse image vertically from top to bottom? Wait, say that again? The, the mirror yeah, reverse images. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. When, yes. when you're in front of the mirror and you, you raise your hand, or the best way to think of this, I put some writing up towards the mirror and the words are backwards. Why are they backwards in the mirror but not upside down is what he's on. And the answer is it's quite simple which is that it's not passing through a lens or a focal point. You're seeing light going out to the mirror and bouncing straight back at you. So if you put your right hand up, you still see your right hand in the mirror, but you're seeing the palm of your right hand. Think about it. When you look with your, you're looking at your hand up in front of your face towards the mirror, you're seeing the back of your hand. The mirror isn't showing you the back of your hand, showing you a palm. So in other words, it's literally light is going from the surface of your body to the mirror and bouncing straight back to you. So therefore, you would expect to see what is on the right looking like it's on the left because it's the reverse as it's come straight back at you from the mirror. But it's not upside down because the light hasn't gone through a focal point going from wherever the source is onto the mirror and then back to you. So it won't flip things upside down, but it will make them look back to front because you're seeing things that have gone to the mirror and literally been presented back at you in the order in which they are presented on the bit of paper you've shown to the mirror with words, for example. Thank you so much for that very interesting question, Rick from Walkerville. Well, we're just going to call everybody anything today. KK from Pretoria says, I have a question for Dr. Chris. We live in a world where every tribe has their own beliefs and myths. Is there scientific proof of witchcraft? 
Some people believe you can injure someone without physically touch or control lightning to kill someone by an act of witchcraft. They usually use the terms betagasifola or betagakadi. I'm not sure how to directly translate that for you, doctor. Then they say, is there scientific proof of witchcraft? And I will give the disclaimer, doctor. I don't necessarily believe that um, there is witchcraft, but even if a person doesn't call it witchcraft, I believe that people can invite um, not bad luck, but mishaps in your life by cursing you or wishing ill on you. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. Well, the thing to bear in mind is that the power of mind is incredibly powerful. And if someone believes in something, then you invoke the placebo or the nocebo effect. As in, if you are a strong believer in witchcraft and you believe I have the power to do you harm, then in the same way that if I give you a painkiller, which could be a harmless sugar pill and tell you it's a very powerful painkiller and Mm. it's going to take your pain away, you get a very powerful pain-relieving effect because your brain turns on its own pain-relieving circuits because you believe that's a painkiller. Well, in the same way as if you believe I can do you harm that way, people can end up thinking themselves into a depression corner and they get very down they can they can actually make bad things happen to them because they feel that they're in a bad place because they've been cursed Mm. so while there's no scientific evidence or justification for witchcraft or that kind of thing people have looked at this there have been lots of proper scientific studies done looking at things like near-death experiences people being able to come back from the dead and report what heaven was like they've done tests on all of this kind of thing uh telekinesis, people transmitting thoughts and transferring thoughts and emotions. There's no evidence scientifically that anything other than chance is at work here. But if you've got someone who believes something can happen and they strongly believe that and you tell them it's going to happen to them, then they can genuinely talk themselves and think themselves into a black hole. And uh, and therefore the power of this is largely on the impressionability of the who's having it done rather than any reality. So in essence, a person can really find themselves, um, um, you can find anything to explain whatever you believe. I guess so, because people will come up with a way to explain what's happening to them in in terms of if they have a run of bad luck, they'll say, well, that's because I've been cursed. Mm. It wasn't that their car just ran into a pothole and got a puncture today. You tend to attach significance to these coincidences. And when you've got that sort of scaffolding to hang them on, someone put a curse on me, mm. then all of a sudden it begins to add set, to make sense and you validate that irrational mm. belief that way and then it makes it even worse. But you know, what's beautiful about what you said is that the inverse is true, that you can also equally believe that you are blessed and miracles are waiting for you. And that is what your life experience will be, is that you're blessed, your miracles are waiting for you, you have good luck all the way, and then doors will open and you will, I see it as almost like manifesting what you believed already. Yeah, just like in the rugby, eh? But it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's the winner effect. And it's, it's absolutely well known that in sports, in exams, in competitions, once you start to win, you have a huge psychological advantage. Think of it when you're watching the World Cup or something and your team goes one up and you think, yes, we've just got to hold on to this now. And it gives you that enormous psychological advantage. Well, it's, it's exactly that, as you've just outlined. 
All right, Dr. Christmas, thank you so much. There is a question I'm going to defer to next week from Rosen Randberg around an autistic, non-verbal and very hyperactive child. And that is quite an important discussion. Dr. Christmas, as always, will be together next week.